T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam. You this is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Kansas City KMOX. Continuing on as we get into hour number two of the program, as always, if you want to chime in, you can do so. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. Maybe you don't listen to the show live. You get the podcast on the Odyssey app or uh, possibly by going to KMOX.com. And I say something, and you're like, i got to respond to what he just said because he's so wrong. Well, you can't call, you can't text in the moment, but you can tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. By the way, we have... um. We're we're ramping up our digital only content when it comes to our Cardinals Conversations podcast feed. And we did our first social media conversation last week. And what that is, is I uh, I, I talk with somebody for 20, 25, 30 minutes or so. Uh, somebody who writes about uh, the Cardinals on a, on a blog or podcast about them. Somebody who I just think is a pretty smart baseball person. And we just have a fun baseball conversation. I am recording the second one of those tonight. And it will uh, drop at some point during the day tomorrow. So keep an eye on Cardinals Conversations podcast feed. And, 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 countdown to opening day tomorrow night, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. Mike Claiborne and myself will have you. We've got a lot planned for tomorrow's show. So uh, during these normal sports open line hours, we will have countdown to opening day coming up tomorrow. Uh, we'll get some of the comments from Scott Rowland. He held a, a media session uh, just a little while ago, and we'll play back some of what he had to say in just a bit. But right now, uh, we're going to continue our uh, hockey conversation and our St. Louis Blues conversation. Very happy to uh, welcome on to the program Mike Kelly. Now, you hear that name and you go, why is he having the Missouri football and basketball broadcaster on to talk about the Blues? It's a different Mike Kelly. He is Mike Kelly from NHL Network. You follow him on Twitter at Mike Kelly NHL. He joins us right now. Mike, thanks for your time. Do you ever get that? Have you ever had an interaction? Have you heard of him? Is there any connection? What uh, you, you hear Mike Kelly, and uh, in these parts, we certainly think about uh, the Missouri football and basketball broadcaster. I have not been fortunate enough to. I, I do know the name, though. Um, and I'll say this, St. Louis, uh, well-known for having Elite Kelly broadcasters. Yes. Uh, some uh, certainly John Kelly. Some that are uh, 
well above what I can do. So um, <laughs> I like St. Louis already just for that reason alone. Very good. That's a great way to uh, to start the conversation. Tonight's a, a nice night for the Blues in terms of some players coming back with uh, Tori Krug and Vladimir Tarasenko and, and Logan Brown, I guess. This has been a this has been a Blues team that has just been up and down and up and down. It feels like they've got a little bit more consistency lately. But as you take kind of a uh, a wide ranging view of this St. Louis Blues team, how would you describe them? Yeah, well, I think you you touched on a good point there. There's been ups and downs. There's been injuries. Um, it's been a bit of a rocky season for them, I guess. And in certain ways, kind of hard to evaluate. But um, you know, they've won six of the last 10. They're trying to hang in there. And getting those guys back will help, obviously. Uh, it's, te- it's a team that hasn't scored a ton this year. They're, they're giving up goals, too. Um, and I think, you know, now as we get approaching the trade deadline, you start looking at uh, who's going to be a buyer, who's going to be a seller. Where does St. Louis fit into all this? Do you think they still have a realistic chance of making the playoffs? Um, and those are pretty important questions. You know, there's there's guys who are – pending UFAs, big-name guys in St. Louis, and you're wondering what's going to happen. Um, it was funny. We were talking about this on the NHL Network last night. Uh, you know, is St. Louis kind of done in terms of the playoffs of the season, and should they sell and all this other stuff? And I, it just reminded me of we all said they were done January 1st, 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this isn't the same kind of year, obviously, but um, all, all things that I think they're probably going to be considered over the next month or so. You're really good when it comes to using data and analytics, and a lot of times those numbers can kind of give some insight on how a team is put together. Do you like the group of players and the way this Blues roster is constructed? Um, in general, sure. Like when, when everybody's healthy. Like I, I think the world of, of Jordan Cairo and Robert Thomas um, as you know, kind of the future faces of the team and their skill level, their ability – you know, we've seen dips, obviously, with you know, the start that Kairou had. And, um, you know, Buchnevich is a solid player. Barbashev's a solid player. Saad, they've got some speed. So I, I don't – it's not so much the, the composition of the roster that I think is, is problematic. Like, I, I was never really sold, uh, although he's exceeded my expectations of, of what Nick Letty would bring. Um, I look at the blue line and, and, you know, you think you could maybe potentially be helped by some upgrades there as, as they move forward. Um, and you know, this season, the goaltending hasn't been great. Now the team defense hasn't been great either, but on top of that, the goaltending hasn't been great. So I'm st- I'm not in a position I would say where I'm, I'm real skeptical of the way the team's built, um, more so than it's just a, an odd year where they, they haven't had a ton of success. And, um, I'm sure they're going to be reevaluating if they want to, you know, I wouldn't say blow it up by any means, but kind of tinker around a little bit. It, they're in an interesting spot, and maybe if they're still kind of where they're at right now, maybe they do pull off a trade involving a Tarasenko or a Ryan O'Reilly if he gets healthy. But it feels like they they made some choices that they almost had to make following the Stanley Cup run, and now all of a sudden there's some guys making some money, and they've been kind of in cap hell for a while, and they just don't have a whole lot of flexibility. Yeah, no, that's true. They're right up against it, and so are so many teams in the league. That's why you know you hear speculation that the trade deadline could be kind of quiet, um, or at least it's kind of quiet right now. Is you know if there's going to be trades, you're you're likely looking at hockey trades, you know, one for one and somewhat similar salaries. You're likely looking at third party uh, teams coming in to to help with the the money being moved around. 
But this is an interesting season for St. Louis. And I think if you're a St. Louis Blues fan, you're, you're you know, a very smart hockey fan, as most of them are. But you're sitting there thinking, okay, you know, our team, we're at 49 points, and the cutoff right now is 55. Um, it's probably not going to happen. And, and I always look as well at how many teams you have to leapfrog to yep. get in. Um, so, you know, sorry, Minnesota is at 54 if you look at the Central in that third spot. But there's still, yeah, Colorado's getting in. They're getting healthy. They're starting to buzz again. I mean, they're on the outside, but they're getting in. Um, so you got to leapfrog teams as well. And, you know, you got Tarasenko, who's a UFA. Um, you got Barbashev, who's a UFA. Achari, who's a UFA. Um, it's an opportunity as well, I think, to kind of reset a little bit. And I'm with you. I think they they made some some uh, signing some moves that, that kind of had to be done after the Cup final. But this team, as it stands right now, I don't think is good enough to be a Cup contender. But there is money coming off the books and opportunity to you know make some moves and and do what you think needs to be done. All right, so all that being said, like you look at the East and you see Boston, and they are they're incredible. They they just seemingly never lose. But when I look at the West, and you're a lot smarter than I am when it comes to this stuff, so you can tell me I'm full of it, and I won't be offended by you. But I look at the Western Conference, and even even Dallas, who's the the best team from a points perspective. Uh, some of these other teams, whether it is a a Winnipeg or, or a Vegas, like I, I have a really hard time finding an elite team in the Western Conference, this team that is just seemingly unstoppable. Do you agree with me on that? 100%. And this is as open as the West has been, I think, at least in a few years. And everybody points to Colorado. Okay, they're going to, they're getting healthy. They've ripped off five wins in a row. McKinnon is, is out of his mind. Rantanen has been all year. Um, you know, Landis Cog will be back probably mid-late February, they hope. And I still think if all those things happen and it's all equal, they're not still not going to be probably quite as good as they were last year. Now, last year, they won the Stanley Cup and lost four games in the playoffs. They dominated. So even a bit of a knockdown version is still the favorite, in my view, in the West. Um, but that being said, I'm with you where I think it's open. I think Colorado still has to show that they can get back to being that dominant team. It's not a given. Edmonton right now has won six in a row, and they look great. But there's been inconsistency there. There's been goaltending inconsistency there. You can poke holes. Um, and you know, Vegas is stumbling. Seattle is shooting and scoring well above what they're generating, but they've been doing it all year, so maybe some of that's real. L.A., I am just blown away. They have a 592 points percentage, third in the Pacific, objectively the worst goaltending in the NHL. Like It, it literally almost cost them a goal a game. So imagine you're a hockey team and you start down one nothing, and you've still got 58 points in 49 games. That's how good the Kings are. So if that goaltending can get a little better, watch out. If it doesn't, no certainties there. Winnipeg, I like a lot. Um, I think they're a little top-heavy. Their top six is as good as anybody. Bottom six, I think if you're talking playoffs and winning the West, they'll, they'll probably look to make a move to, to get some support there. Um, but, you know, Dallas, you know, Minnesota has is, is kind of been okay. Yeah, I'm with you. It's open. All right, so I'll finish you off with this. If you're constructing a playoff roster, what would you rather have a lot of depth through all four of your lines and through all your defensive pairings or have a team kind of like you just referred to as Winnipeg as being that team that's got some elite talent at the top but maybe does not have the depth that some of those other teams have? It's an interesting question. Uh, I'd rather not be stuck with either one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a good question. I think I believe a lot in depth. And like I'll go back to Colorado last year. So the trade deadline's coming, and you look at the team, and I talked to their captain, Gabe Landeskog, after the cup final, and I didn't bring this guy's name up. He brought it up. But he said, you know, Andrew Cogliano for us was so important. 
And that guy came in, veteran guy. Some of the speeches he gave, you know, literally saying, like, I don't care. I'll clean the visors. Like, just I want to be a part of this. And it's infectious. And that is infectious to the guys that can make a difference still uh, at this point in their careers. They, you know, guys that got moved, you look at Claude Giroux, right? He goes to Florida. There's some big-name guys out there. Colorado goes out and gets Arturi Lekkanen. Probably didn't blow a lot of people's minds, but I live in Montreal. I've watched Arturi Lekkanen for a long time. He's exactly what they needed. A great four-checker, a guy who can still score, put the puck in the net, but supports the star players so well. So the, the teams, to me, that are the most successful are the ones that can identify what are those little pieces that we're missing. It's not the best player. It's not the biggest name. Uh, Claude Giroux would not have made sense for... Colorado and that's not a slight on them it's just not what they needed so that's what I try to think about when I'm, I'm looking at teams and you know what they could do to tinker where they can get a little better um, and some of that for for some of those teams is a death guy for others it's you know let's get a, a star guy in here and just try to overwhelm with our, our top players he's Mike Kelly you see him on NHL Network you follow him on Twitter at Mike Kelly NHL Mike thank you so much for taking the time with us hopefully we can do this again in the future Yeah, my pleasure, and uh, glad I could just be one of many Kellys doing some media work in the St. Louis area. (laughs) Very good. Thank (laughs) you. Mike Kelly joining us here on Sports Open Line. We appreciate him taking some time. I thought that was a really good conversation. Unfortunately, right now, the Blues play is not matching the level of uh, what he brought to our program. The Blues are down right now by a 2-0 score. They're about six minutes into the game, so it is not been a good start for the Blues. They finally get some players back. Uh, They just had a great opportunity, but they couldn't score. Uh, They get some players back today. The Sabres are on a back-to-back. I think they they played overtime yesterday. Not much. I think they won a game yesterday uh, where they won it 58 seconds into overtime. It's only 58 extra seconds of hockey yesterday, but nonetheless, they did play an overtime game yesterday where they're on a back-to-back. The Blues are not on a back-to-back it's 2 nothing. Long, long, long way to go on this one. And Buffalo almost just scored. It's going to stay a 2 nothing game. We'll keep you updated on that one as we uh, do go along. But we're going to get back into our baseball conversation. If you're just now joining us and you haven't heard the news of the day, Scott Rowland, he is a Hall of Famer. He was selected for induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame, getting 76.3% of the vote. Todd Helton is the top vote getter who does not get in. He comes in at 72.2%. We'll go through that. We'll also hear a little bit from Roland. He spoke uh, with the media just a bit ago. We'll get some of his uh, initial comments. That's all coming up uh, after this Sports Open Line rolling on here on a Tuesday night on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is America's Sports Voice. KMOX. Sports Open Line rolls on here on KMOX. We'd love to hear from you. We've got a little bit of time now between uh, now and the end of the program at 8 o'clock. What are your thoughts on Scott Rowland getting selected for induction into the National Baseball Hall of Fame? 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can also tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. I, to me, he was a shoe in no-brainer, whatever cliched word you want to use to to describe that that's what he was to me I keep going back to this top five defensive third baseman of all time maybe top three uh, in terms of players who are no longer active I think you can put Nolan Arnato into that top three group but top five let's just be conservative top five from an offensive profile Probably top 10, maybe maybe if you really want to denigrate them, top 12, offensive third baseman. Like those two things together, he is one of the best. He's one of the best. Like I always, you know, the, speaking of cliche, the people will go, it's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Very Good. Okay. <laughs> I, what does that mean then? That you can only have one third baseman, only two third basemen? If your name's not Brooks Robinson or Mike Schmidt, like what what does that mean? It's not the Hall of Very Good. No, like he he's one of the best. You can count on one hand, he's one of the best ever to play at third base. And that's why I it was a crime, it was a travesty, it was a joke on his first year on the ballot when he got 10%. 10%. And Good to see him jump up this year. What, he got like 63% last year. I think that was the number. Goes up to about 77% this year. You got to get 75% to uh, to get in. I do think the what, what hat he goes in with, again, not trying to be completely dismissive of the good folks in uh, Toronto and Cincinnati, but his... Um, his two years of time in Toronto is four years of time in Cincinnati. I don't think that's going to be enough. Although, I mean, you look back at his 2010 season in Cincinnati, all-star, gold glove award winner, top 15 finish in the MVP voting. So he had a he had a huge impact on Cincinnati in his age 35 season when he hit 285, 20 home runs, 83 RBIs. I mean, that was a that was a really solid year for him. I'm not trying to completely denigrate what he did in Cincinnati and in Toronto in his career. Uh but it's it's Philadelphia and St. Louis. So let's let's try to play this out a little bit with the clear St. Louis bias. I always tell you if I'm biased about something, I'll tell you where my bias is. I'm biased on this one. He should go in as a Cardinal. That being said, let's look at some of the accomplishments. Probably his two greatest accomplishments. One was a individual accomplishment. One is a team accomplishment. 
He's the rookie of the year in 97 with the Phillies. That year he hits 283 with 21 home runs and 92 RBIs. Uh, he wins a World Series with the Cardinals, and he was uh, he could have been the World Series MVP. That was the year that uh, David Eckstein won it. Uh, so uh, 2006 he wins that uh, World Series and puts together very solid numbers, hit 421 in that World Series, had a 1,200 OPS as he had uh, three doubles in there of his eight hits and obviously played uh, good defense. That was in uh, that was in 2006. So uh, that was his experience uh, in the uh, in the World Series. Also played in the 04 World Series with the Cardinals. That was the loss against Boston, but his World Series victory. So he played in two World Series, 1-1 when we're talking about the individual accolades. His best seasons and where they came. Uh, first off, the gold gloves. His uh, gold glove wins got one with Philadelphia in 1998, another one with Philadelphia in 2001, then uh, gold glove in 02. That was split between the Cardinals and the Phillies. Gold glove with the Cardinals in 03, in 04, in uh, 06, and a gold glove with Cincinnati in 2010. Silver Slugger Awards won one in 2002. That was his split year. Also, uh, let's see, was that his only Silver Slugger? Yeah, that was his only uh, Silver Slugger, it looks like. Uh, All-Star, I mean, he had multiple All-Star appearances. So, I, I don't know, it's fun to do, it's it's fun to, like, play out the game where you're looking at all of his respective seasons and looking at his numbers and trying to figure out what what he did with Philadelphia, what he did uh, with, at, uh, with St. Louis. Philadelphia, seven years there in terms of home runs, hit... 150 of his home runs, of his 316 home runs, 150 of them came with his seven years in Philadelphia. 111 of them came in his six years with St. Louis. Uh, His OPS between the two teams, really, really similar. 877 in Philadelphia, 879 in St. Louis. In many ways, the numbers are, are pretty uh, pretty similar total hits. A lot more with Philadelphia. Eight hundred eighty hits with Philadelphia. Six hundred seventy-eight with St. Louis. Obviously, there were some years there in St. Louis that he didn't play a ton of games. Two thousand five, he played uh, just the fifty-six games. He had some injuries and things like that. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's certainly fun to play out. Let's go to the phones. Three one four four three six seventy nine hundred. Chuck has given us a call. Hey, Chuck, you're on Sports Open Line. Yes, I called last week. I think you do a great job. Thank you. I'm happy that Scott Rowland got in. I would like to know if uh, you think Jim Edmonds will ever get in. And uh, if uh, Jordan Walker is in the starting outfield, who do you think is the odd man out? Yeah, appreciate the phone call. So let's um, let's stick with the Hall of Fame stuff for, for now. You know... Th- I was having a conversation, actually a guy who's been on this show before, uh, national radio personality Josh Ennis, who is uh, somebody who's uh, a big Cardinal guy, and uh, he and I were tweeting back and forth a little bit earlier today, and he kind of made the throwaway comment that he thinks that Jim Edmonds should be a Hall of Famer. And I, th- I, I don't know if he thought that I was going to agree with him or not. I, I largely agree, largely because of the same reasons that I gave for Roland. Like if you are a top five defensive player at your position and you play 
a premier defensive spot, specifically center field, shortstop, third base catcher. If you play one of those spots and you're a top five of all time and then you put up pretty solid offensive numbers, to me, you should be a Hall of Famer. Well, Edmonds didn't get enough votes. He was off the ballot after one year. So if he's ever going to get into the Hall of Fame, what's going to have to happen is one of those eras committees is going to have to bring him in later. So that's going to take some time. I would vote for Jim Edmonds on my ballot without a doubt. And then you look at Andrew Jones, and Jones in many ways has kind of the same profile. Jones is an elite defensive outfielder and... Pretty good offense, although completely fell off the map at one point uh, when, from an offensive standpoint, he's getting 58% of the vote. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Maybe I'm just not the smartest guy in the history of the world. Um, Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that Andrew Jones is sitting here getting 58% of the Hall of Fame vote and Jim Edmonds isn't even on the ballot. But what do I know? 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet in as well. Uh, We'll give this final half hour of the program to you if you want it. You can give me your thoughts on Scott Rowland being selected for induction into the Hall of Fame. Should he go in as a Cardinal? Should he go in as a Philly? Should he go in not with any logo on his hat? I kind of think that may end up happening if I'm being really honest with you. We'll continue the discussion in just a moment at Sports Open Line on KMOX. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam. This is Sports Open Line on America's Sports Voice. Kansas City. KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue here on KMOX. We are continuing to discuss the Hall of Fame induction announcement from earlier today. Scott Rowland, the only player selected for induction. Uh, Second on that list is Todd Helton. He misses out by 11, count them, 11 votes. That frustrates me because I think there are more than 11 voters out there that use their Hall of Fame vote not as a way to promote the game, progress the game, give individuals something that they deserve, but instead try to use it as a narrative, try to use it as a soapbox for some self-righteous point that they want to make. And I hate that. I hate that. And in this case, it might have cost Todd Helton an opportunity to get into the Hall of Fame. And I think one thing that's important, we saw this with Larry Walker, And we're seeing this with Helton because the numbers for Helton are going up. He is likely to be inducted next year. People are starting to realize that, yes, Coors Field does help you from an offensive standpoint, but it's it's not the extreme thing that people have thought it to be. You know, go look at Nolan Arnauto's numbers as a Rocky and then as a Cardinal. Uh, Go look at what Larry Walker did Uh, before and after his time in Colorado. Go look at some of these players and their home road splits. Like I'm not going to tell you it's the exact same playing field, but voters have overcompensated for Coors Field for a long time, and I do think a fair amount of those voters are starting to to come back down off of that. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. Let's go to Larry, who's given us a call. Hey, Larry, you're on Sports Open Line. Good evening. You know, the baseball writers have puzzled me for years. Ted Williams won two 
two MV or two uh, triple crowns wasn't a, wasn't an MVP either time. Lou Gehrig won it, wasn't the MVP, and Chuck Klein won it and wasn't the MVP. So you look at the Hall of Fame every every player that's won the most gold gloves at his position is in the Hall of Fame, but Keith Hernandez, why is that? He played first. So? I mean, that's... Uh, you got to field the ball there to get the to get it out, don't you? Yeah, I mean, you asked the question, I'm giving you the answer. They're going to... The, I think they dismissed... If you've been listening, I, I've been talking a lot about how they dismissed defense, and I think that's wrong, and I think if you are a top-five defensive player at a premier defensive spot, that needs to be accounted for more than the voters uh, are accounting for it right now. First base is not considered that premier defensive spot, so I don't think the voters... Uh, no, I don't think we're ever going to see a first baseman go into the Hall of Fame based upon their defensive credentials. So, you you know, you always say what wins in baseball? Defense and pitching, right? Yeah. Defense and pitching. So, if you were you around when Hernandez was playing with the Cardinals? Did you watch him play first base ever? Uh, I was born in 1982. So, I mean, look, I was, I was eight years old when he was done playing. So, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I was a uh, – that that I vividly remember Keith Hernandez, you know, actively playing. He was like the Ozzie Smith of first baseman when Ozzie was playing short. That's how good he was. Yeah, I again, I, I'm I'm playing devil's advocate more than anything with you because okay. I, I I think that you know, he I obviously know how good of a I mean the record that he set for Gold Gloves over at first base. There's going to be people. First baseman defensively rarely win you a game. A shortstop can win you a game. A third baseman can win you a game. A center fielder can win you a game. A catcher can win you a game from a defensive standpoint. That rarely, if ever, happens over at first base. But, but you know, you could lose a game and lose the World Series yep. if you were Bill Buckner. I want to make one last point. I, so I'm definitely for Keith Hernandez being in the Hall of Fame. I'm also for Ron Guidry. You look at Ron Guidry's stats and stack him up against the best. Sandy Koufax. I mean, there's. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that Ron Guidry was better than Sandy Koufax, but his number warrant, his numbers warrant consideration for the Hall of Fame. All right, it's, un, it's unbelievable. Just check that out. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I, I appreciate your phone call, Ron Guidry. 14 year career, uh, all with the Yankees. Finished out 3.29 ERA, 78. Uh, won the Cy Young, 174 ERA, strikeout numbers, uh, 1,778 strikeouts and 2,392 innings pitch. That probably hurts him a little bit, but obviously the game was a little bit different there. Uh, I'm applying kind of current day standards to to that, which isn't fair. Um, top 20 in the MVP voting multiple times. Got a second place MVP finish in that 78 year that was really good. Uh, only had an above four ERA twice, no, three times in his career. So there's certainly some numbers there. You know, going back to Keith Hernandez, I do think another thing that hurts Hernandez is in addition to the fact that he was a first baseman and you're just not going to uh, value what he does from a defensive standpoint at first base. When you play out, you know, he played 2,088 games in his career. If you strike that down to 162 game average, so basically take his career numbers and uh, put them down to what he would average on a year by year basis, 
uh, over the course of his 17 years. His 162-game average, when you take all of his aggregate numbers, are bluntly not that impressive. 13 home runs, 83 RBIs per year at first base. And we're talking about a first baseman. So really good defensive first baseman, good enough offensively, had to... um, had some years where you had 48 doubles in 1979, on-base percentage above 400 in 1980. Um, there, there's some really good numbers there, but we're talking about a first baseman who, when you run the numbers, his 162-game average per year, he would finish out with 13 home runs and 83 RBIs per year. Uh, that's That's probably... Not going to uh, not going to get it. Let's go to Kevin, who's given us a call. Hey, Kevin, you're on Sports Open Line. Hey, thank you for taking my call. I'm uh, enjoying the conversation about the the first baseman and the defensive uh, impact that they make. I'm gonna uh, first of all, I saw Keith Fernandez. He was absolutely incredible. But here's a, the more recent scenario: the Cardinals, prior to having Paul Goldschmidt at first. We're pretty poor defensively. One of the poorer teams defensively in the league, and all of a sudden they got they got a lot better, and I, they got better because there were some changes in personnel and they, and you know so forth. But they also got better because of Paul Goldschmidt, because he caught everything that came his way, and he saved more errors than you than I can imagine. So I, I do think there's an impact uh, on that, that first baseman. And then one last comment. Scott Rowland was awesome. Should go in as a Cardinal. The thing that I uh, that's amazing to me about him is how big he was. Mm-hmm. This guy's 6'4", 240 pounds. He's a big guy. Great defensive guy. Yeah, dude was a linebacker, and he's sitting there with all kinds of range and being able to c- cover those plays down the third baseline. Absolutely agree on that on Scott Rowland. I guess I... I hate being put into this corner. I hate right now the words that are coming out of my mouth because I appreciate the defensive impact of first baseman. And I feel like when I'm advocating against really good defensive first baseman into the Hall of Fame that I'm dismissing their defensive impact, That's believe me when I say that's not what I'm trying to do. But let me say this. If you've got... A middle infielder, shortstop, second baseman, he can even play a little bit of third base uh, at AAA, hits a little bit at AAA, not not a ton, but a little bit, but he is a fantastic, fantastic fielder. Maybe has some speed in there, so you could even use him a pinch runner at the big league level if you need to. Like A lot of those guys get major league service time. A lot of those guys end up on big league rosters. A lot of those guys are the 25th, or I guess now the 26th man on the roster. That light-hitting shortstop who's going to go play really good infield defense. How many light-hitting first basemen are there in the big leagues because of what they can do from a defensive standpoint? That doesn't happen. It just doesn't. No team is ever going to say, we're going to bring up this first baseman. He can only play first. And he's really, really good defensively at first base, but he's not going to hit a lick. I no team is ever going to bring up that guy um, for the most. I'm sure that I'm sure somebody, if they really wanted to, right now, could go figure it out. I remember, so I broadcast AAA ba- baseball for six years. I was uh, one of the broadcasters back in the day for a team that doesn't even exist anymore, the Colorado Springs Sky Sox, and they were the AAA affiliate first for the Rockies and then for the Brewers at the end of my time there. 
and gosh, I, I I could look it up. I can't remember. There was this um, there was this first baseman who played for the AAA team in Salt Lake City, the uh, the Salt Lake Bees, and he was absolutely fantastic. And he may have gotten some time in the big leagues, but I like I always really wanted him to hit just a little bit more because I loved watching him play first base. He, to me, is as good of a defensive first baseman as I've ever seen. Just some random guy at AAA that I saw years and years and years ago. But there was no like push for him to get to the big leagues and have a long big league career. And again, he, he had enough, to, I think, to play a little bit there. But that's that just doesn't that those aren't the guys that get to the big leagues. Just defense at first base is not something that, yes, it can lift your overall team defense, but it doesn't make this profound impact. Uh, and it just maybe maybe we should view it differently, but we don't. And again, I would go back to Keith Hernandez's 162 game average of uh, 13 home runs and 83 RBIs over his uh, career as a first baseman. Even when we're applying the standards of 1974 to 1990 to Hernandez, although if you want to put him in the Hall of Fame just based off uh, his appearance on Seinfeld, all in. All in. Let's go. Let's stop talking about his 162-game average. Forget about that. Let's just talk about his time on Seinfeld, him dating Elaine, him trying to, um, you know, get some help from uh, get the ride, drive to the airport from Jerry. Like, let's talk about that. That's one magic loogie, if you know what I'm talking about. If we go there, then we can talk about him as a legit Hall of Famer. Uh, We'll get to those comments from Scott Rowland. We'll do that next as we wrap up this edition of Sports Open Line in just a moment here on KMOX. I'm Dakota Hudson. I'm Jordan Hicks. I'm Cardinals pitcher Jack Flaherty. I'm Tommy Edmond. I'm Cardinals outfielder Jordan Walker. I'm Paul Dion. I'm Woodson Contreras. I'm Adam Wainwright. And you're listening to the voice of the Cardinals, KMOX. KMOX is Cardinals Radio. Did that get you kind of hyped up, that rejoin right there? That's what we call it. That's a radio term, rejoin, when the big voice guy says this is KMOX and there's some other stuff in there, and then the music hits the thing before the music. That's the rejoin. Got all the Cardinals saying you're listening to KMOX. Oh, baby. we're uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to go spring train. I'm going to be there in like three weeks. What? Like three weeks? Pitchers, catchers reporting in just a few weeks. It's wild. And, uh, yeah, we're talking a lot of baseball today. Scott Rowland selected for induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, did a conference call with the media just a little while ago. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Philadelphia versus St. Louis. He did uh, recount the story and, and just kind of looked back at that moment of when he was traded from Philadelphia to St. Louis. When I got traded, uh you know, like I, I mentioned earlier, my six years in Philadelphia kind of taught me how to play the game. We were a little rough. We were young, and, and I, I learned to really kind of hustle and play hard or it wasn't going to work very well for you. And, and you know, you move on to, to St. Louis, and the biggest thing about St. Louis is that, that there were just seasoned professional veterans there at the time that, you know, you could really learn from overnight. And, and that was – it was a it was a veteran team. It was an older team. They'd been around. They'd competed together for a long time. So that was a great thing in my career that I think I was ready for. You know, kind of pushing for for six years pretty hard and and young and not knowing what I'm doing. And then all of a sudden, you know, we we didn't have much success in, in Philadelphia, but we had we had good players. And you know, Bobby Abreu and obviously Schilling was there and and Rico Brony and a bunch of guys. You know, but 
you know, we I kind of got traded to a championship team or at least a caliber championship team. And, and what I found out, they, they were veteran guys and their mindset was a little different than mine. You know, I went to the ballpark at three o'clock because I was supposed to go to the ballpark at three o'clock. You know, they they went to the ballpark at three o'clock because they were going to do their job. And I'm like, oh man, okay. You know, this is this is a different this is a different thing for me. And 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 as it my time went through, especially in 04 with with Soup and Carp and and you know Matt Moore and the, all these guys, we were all about the same age. Um, we had uh, similar situations. We were married. We were raising families, and and it was just a fun time for our wives, fun time for us. And you know, we really competed well together. Um, at that time, I, I after the 04 when we got swept by the Red Sox, I told my wife after that that in the offseason, I said I'm never going to win a World Series because I can't play on a better team than that talent wise and certainly a more cohesive team like that that's as good a group inside the group as, as you could possibly have and we got killed and uh we come back in 06 and you know it, it changed my mind about a lot of things we got hot we kind of backed in and we got hot and kind of ran the table and it was it was pretty impressive there too with with a with a good group but not certainly not the 04 group so that was uh, Scott Rowland talking about the trade from Philadelphia to St. Louis. I don't know. I listened to that. I feel like a guy who, you know, this is what you start doing. You start trying to read between the lines, right? Like in that two minutes and 18 seconds, um, we heard him talk about both Philadelphia and St. Louis. I think he said more positive stuff about St. Louis than Philadelphia. So go in with the STL on the cap. Come on, Scott. I really, I my prediction, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, I'd, I'd love for him to go in with the uh, with the Cardinals cap. Um, I think he goes in with no logo on the cap. I think he did enough in Philadelphia. That's where he played the most amount of his games, and obviously he won the Rookie of the Year there. I think it, that that's just enough of his career most hits with Philadelphia and his career most home runs. I think it's just enough that that's going to uh, keep him from uh, from choosing St. Louis. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I'll be very, 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 very glad if I'm wrong on that one. Uh, Roland also talked about, you know, he, he said in that, in that cut about feeling like he was never going to win a World Series after coming up short in 04. Talked about the 06 World Series and what he was able to do despite uh, playing through shoulder issues. Physically in 06, um... 05 is when, when I had two surgeries um, on my shoulder and I was coming back and rehabbing and Albert got hurt early in the season, which prolonged stretches that I was playing. And, you know, I got at the end of it, at the end of 06, I kind of, you know, wore down a little bit and tried to stay out on the field. And, and you know, that's when Tony and I decided to headbutt each other a little bit. And, uh, you know, it ended up it ended up all the best, you know, for all of us. And, and, you know, we ended up winning a world championship in an unlikely situation. Played 142 games in 2006, won a gold glove, was an all-star that year, uh, hit close to 300. Home runs were okay, 22 home runs. I mean, that that's a – that he was a 25 to 30 home run guy generally. I mean, it's uh, – 34 home runs in 2004. That was the year that he finished uh, fourth in the MVP voting. Uh, that was his best uh, MVP finish. But just the numbers hold up. The numbers hold up. Defensively, offensively, 17-year career. Hits better than 300 home runs. 
has a pretty solid OPS of 855 over his career, and he's one of the top five to ever do it defensively at a premier defensive spot. Congratulations to uh, to Scott Rowland on uh, his selection, his well-deserved selection for induction into the Hall of Fame. Tomorrow, nothing but Cardinals for our two hours. We have our uh, weekly countdown to opening day show. Mike Claiborne and myself will be coming your way tomorrow, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. You won't want to miss it right here on KMOX. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.